I'm Max, and you're listening to Zetoslapetus, a Mammoth Club original podcast. What's up, all you luminarious people? I'm Alan. I'm luminariously major Molly. Oh. And I was recast for this podcast. My name's Matt. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice. Good. Well done. Well done. And this is Zetus Lapidus. It is the podcast where we watch every Disney Channel original movie in chronological order and then spend way too much time analyzing them. This week we watched Xenon the Sequel. Back to familiar IP. Yeah. I, I will say... Regardless of what we say about the movie, and I'm, I'm sure there are lots of thoughts, it did feel a little like a little warm hug. It did. To go, like back, to, yeah. to go back to a, uh, a place and characters, some of which I knew, and <laughs> some others look different. looked a little different than the last time I saw them. Uh, but yeah, it, it felt like a little, especially after coming after that absolute disaster we just had christmas present this felt like a warm hug i'll say that it was good to be back in familiar ip right Uh, like regardless of anything else like quality of the i think we also maybe had different expectations for the sequel because it's familiar ip and i'm sure we'll get into it but again nice to nice to be like i know these faces most of them i I know these names (laughs) it was nice to be back on the space day oh yeah Oh, love the space day. Well, the basic show info for this movie is a mischievous 15-year-old girl living on a space station helps a group of homeless aliens. I don't think they're homeless. I think they're stranded. I'm kind of confused by that being the, the pivotal plot it point. It sort of weaves out everything that happens in this movie. I mean, that did happen, I guess, but yeah. like... Boy, you really missed most of this film, didn't you? <laughs> they gave you the beginning of the movie. They gave yeah. you the end of the movie. And then the middle, they're like, nah, that, that. Yeah, we're not going to cover like, that. That's not different. Yeah. We, we don't need to. Hey, you know what? Nobody needs to talk about that. We don't talk about Bruno. This movie was released January 12th of 2001. We are officially in 2001. And what a year. Uh, did either. What a you, year. Yeah. What a year. What a year. Ooh. Bad things happen Ooh boy. this year. Ooh boy. <laughs> Wait eight months. We'll see what happens. What movie do you think that is? Oh, what do you think the top news headline will be? <laughs> I should laugh. Jesus. <laughs> we have to laugh because we all yeah, grew, we have this shared collective have trauma. Have and what else do we do? Guys, we all lived through it. It was 21 and a half years ago at this point. And it doesn't it is, make it less of a tragedy. but And it is the thing that experts say caused the generational trauma of the millennials like it's the yeah. thing that broke all of us as there, people there is am i remembering this wrong there's a decom about it Isn't i'm there? looking it up right now i believe there I'm is pretty sure there's a decom i believe there is about nine I, I think so too because i think we were reading decom synopsis for future and we were yeah. like whoa because one got weird it's when we called realized tiger yeah. cruise and it releases in 2004 and it stars hayden panettiere and bill pullman Yes. Right. Yeah, we I remember that, that Hayden Panettiere was in it. Yeah. That's okay. Well, maybe we'll so, talk more about the generational trauma that we'll get to uh, live through it, it in eight movies, probably. And mm-hmm. then three years from now, <laughs> uh, did either of you watch the sequel as a kid? Can't say I did. I don't think I did either, but yeah, it feels enough. weird yeah. for me to say that because I certainly remember how much these got promoted and Xenon was so big and iconic but i don't think i did yeah i, I agree i don't 
remember watching this either. So Yeah, as much as I loved Xenon as a kid, it's weird that I have no recollection of this movie, but I don't think I watched it either. Also, just going to jump back for one second. There is a movie that came out on September 14th, 2001. Oh so, God. what movie is that? It's called The Poof Point and it stars Taj Maori. So, now, again, we're going to watch I, that. I bet I, I, bet Alan, I know the top news headline. Alan, you don't have to research the news headlines that week. Mm. Save yourself a little bit of work. Mm-hmm. Yep. I feel like we know what's coming. Yes. Yes, we do. Yikes. Anyway, the top grossing song of this week was Once More, Independent Woman by Destiny's Child. By the way, on all the listings, it says Independent Woman Part 1. Yeah. The album has Independent Woman Part 2, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I see. Well, Part 1 is the top grossing song. I'm sorry to keep coming back to this. Do you think in eight months we're going to get that Alan Jackson song? You put a boot in the ass. It's That's, American okay, I, um, I'm going to go ahead and um, actually you hear as a former horse girl and country music fan. Uh-huh. The song you're singing is Toby Keith. Oh, the Alan Jackson so song. The Alan Jackson song um, written about actually, September 11th is Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning. It's a much oh. slower and sadder song. The I, like also really put a, I like put a boot in their ass. It's and the I don't American actually way. know if that Toby Keith song was written about September 11th. I think that's just... It's... Who knows? Just general Toby Keith uh, Americana. Courtesy yeah. of the Red, White, and Blue is that song, and that wasn't released till 2002. So... Uh, well, um, it won't be that then. No, but this Alan Jackson song was written and came out very quickly after September 11th. It's much slower and very sad. I doubt it'll be the number one, but... Um, yeah, I just thought of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the top song of this week was Independent uh, Woman Part yeah. 1. Yeah, Independent P- Woman Part 2 is on the album because as we confirmed last week, Independent Woman Part 1 is the theme song or song from the Charlie's, Charlie's Angels. Angels. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the top grossing film of last week, it is not the top grossing film of this week. It is Save the Last Dance. Oh my God, I love that movie. That's a good movie. When, Although this is not a Save the Last Dance podcast. <laughs> You're the correct. dance You're that correct. she does to get into Juilliard is crazy. That's it is true. So <laughs> crazy. Like that's I, accurate. I cannot dance, and I could do that dance. Like it is. <laughs> it is. Congratulations! You're, you're in Juilliard, Juilliard now. Like it is so. What? It's just crazy. Anyway, that's a good movie, though. Very good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a mental image now of you doing I'm that dance. Do it later. I can't wait. I, I can't wait. Um, the news headlines of the time. Now, both of you know that I spend a lot of time trying to look up pop culture and relevant, like global or like topical news of the time. Uh-huh. When I tell you that the top two news headlines of this time are both Disney related, and that is certainly not on purpose. It's literally I couldn't find anything else happening. Like uh-huh. incredibly Disney related. Number one. The Disney Channel in January of 2001 premieres the show Lizzie McGuire starring Hilary Duff, which certainly won't impact our podcast going forward with, you know, things like Cadet Kelly. But I was just intrigued that like that was literally a piece of pop culture news from this month. It's a big show. Secondly, Downtown Disney opened to the public as a part of Disneyland Resort in Anaheim, California in January of 2001. Mm. I've been there. Hmm. I imagine, I guess, in preparation for DCA to open, huh? That makes sense. That makes sense. It just, it, I guess it took me a little bit out of the, the timeline when I was like, oh shit, like I guess Downtown Disney didn't exist. And yeah, Disney that's weird for me to, to think about because I never went to Disneyland until mm-hmm. 
both parks and downtown Disney existed. So it's hard for me to think about the idea of just like just Disneyland. Big old parking lot. And then there was that um, baseball field and like fairground area that was next yeah. to it for a long time too. And now it is what it is today. So fun facts. That is the news. So are we ready to dive into Xenon the sequel? I'm ready. Yep. Let's do it. The movie opens in the most budget Star Wars opening that I have seen in my entire life when we get a speak and spell doing the scrolling text I and also that. talking out loud to us, introducing the, sh- introducing the movie. And on top of it, we got like six degrees off of Galaxy Quest music <laughs> playing on the intro as well. It was spectacular. Most opening. of the music in this movie made me think of Epcot. Oh like, yeah. I had, I had some very serious future world vibes happening as I listened to most of this. Alan, I have to ask you, as a person that one, hates exposition, yeah, but two, likes Star Wars, how Ooh. did you feel about this intro? Conflicted. I I think there was a time when like I didn't mind the scrolling text. It was when it started to get red where I was like, I don't like that. But I also understood, the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, they're doing this for children who might not be able to read yet and might be watching Xenon the sequel and want to feel included. So I, I understand why they did it. It's not necessarily the the level of exposition we're getting from like a main character that's nails on a chalkboard for me. And because we also had the scrolling text and they're trying to do star Wars, I, I was okay with it. I didn't love, but I was okay with it. Can I tell you guys something when I, this started, I thought for a second that this was Xenon's space diary reading us an entry out loud. Like I thought she had written this and then it started talking about herself a lot. And I was like, well, she writes her diary in third person. That's kind of weird. And then I realized, no, that's not what this is. Yeah. Because it uses the slang. Like the speak and spell uses space day. Yeah. So, so I which I learned is spelled S-P-A-Y hyphen S-T-A-Y. Space day. Which was interesting. But Space day? Because I thought it was the space day. It is a space day according to the speak and spell. Speak and spell. Space day. I thought it was, no. Speak and spell seems. Speak and spell is like that how you doing fellow kids meme where the speech oh. spells trying to speak the slang but the space is, day is missing it <laughs> i think that they did i i didn't hate this i thought it was a funny intro i laughed because of the like star wars reference um the thing that i thought was interesting about this movie is how much they connected this thing to the first one mm-hmm. like it is a year later and yet the only things that happen are directly tied to what happened in the first film. And so obviously if you're gonna do that, if you're not gonna have it be kind of its own story, you need to catch everybody up. And so they, I think this was a pretty efficient way of doing that. It also helped out like, well, first of all, they say it's a year later and Xenon certainly does not look just a year older. She uh, very, very much grown up. She's not a, she doesn't look 15 on screen, which like, hey, no worries. and they also do a callback to like serve how chaotic Xenon is in her presence on the ship is immediately. There's a callback to like her almost like breaking the breaking the way that normalcy is established on the ship right off the bat with her like, look, I found this really cool game. Certainly not Raven Simone. Uh, we've got we've got to go play this. It's just Pong, which is all they're playing. They're playing Pong. I've got some questions about the mechanics of this game because, listener, they're not actually just playing Pong. What they're doing is they're opening airlock doors in an office. 
I, I also have questions about the construction of a commander's office that has direct access to an airlock door into the vacuum of space, but they're opening and closing doors and competing against one another, and the little pong ball is not a pong ball, but varying sizes of furniture that is being beaten between these airlock doors before being sucked out into the vacuum of space. Yeah, every Xenon movie has to start with a silly little teenager thing that could actually murder someone. Because in the first one, we got Xenon going on a little spacewalk where she puts on a full-ass spacesuit and goes outside into space. And then this one, she's messing around with the airlock doors. And then, of course, the commander goes in and almost gets sucked out into space. But it's just yeah, passed off as like... kills a person. It always is passed off. It's just like, oh, silly Xenon, just doing teenager things. It gives the commander the opportunity to say his, his iconic line. Xenon! Yeah, they went back to that well twice, and that's too yeah, many times. Yeah, they sure times. did. Too, too many sure times. They sure did. And I, I think you breezed past it, Alan. We got to acknowledge that Nebula is no longer Raven Simone. Correct. It's not. But we are going to... Piper, baby! We're yeah. welcoming back from the community theater, Piper from The Color of Friendship, whose actual name... Shadia Simmons. Is Shadia Simmons, yes. Mm-hmm. This this is sort of what I mean too. I know I know we've been talking about community theater for a long time, but like this is the pinnacle of community theater to me. <laughs> is that they could have just made it a different character. It's a year later. Xenon could have a different friend. But instead, just like if a run of a show ends and you recast it. They've just recasted Nebula, and it's fun. We just put in a different person, and the the show continues. Don't like, we also like recast her parents too? Yeah, her parents are totally recast. Nebula's recast. I do uh, like that they opened with Xenon and Nebula walking from behind, backlit. So you almost think it's Raven Simone. Like your brain, and it is them going, "Hey Neb, hey Xenon," and they like establish yeah. that this is Nebula. But then when they turn around to the front, you're like, "What?" But I did like that they started by being like, okay, we're going to slowly introduce you to Nebula again. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's Yeah, they just, they just straight up recast them. Uh, apparently, Raven Simone was unavailable because she was filming Dr. Doolittle 2. Mmm, that is so a I fun fact there. I am yeah, glad when to I, that. When I went to look up to see, like, what happened, I, I found out. She was too busy with Eddie Murphy. Yeah. We're going to get more Raven se- Simone, though, in a little bit. Yeah, so. we will. Both of these sequels, uh, Zane on the Sequel and Dr. Doolittle 2, were certainly equally successful smash hits all right so we have new neb they play pong they jettison there's a lot of jettisoning in this movie by the way they use that word a lot they jettison office equipment papers certainly none of which are important into the vacuum of space xena nearly kills somebody and then she has her restricted zone roaming pass revoked amongst other bad things that occur but also like the fact that you would give somebody a pass to roam in a restricted section i just want to point out we don't have to linger on this but there is a z3 and raven simone is back as nebula (laughs) that's amazing that's amazing (laughs) just bring her back who cares nobody will notice it's fine It's, it's fine it's fine Here's a little BTS spoiler for you both. So I was, uh, after we finished this, I was going and getting like pages set up for this. So I clicked on the Z3 wiki and I happened to just scan. This is, I did not read the full plot synopsis, but I scanned maybe two lines and I cannot wait for the absolute bat shit plot based on those two lines that I read for Z3. I'm not going to read it out. I don't want no spoilies, 
But based on those two lines, like there's a there's a Greek goddess. If I'm reading oh. it correctly. So I'm excited. Neither here nor there. But it, uh, good to know Raymond Simone is back. I think you just said no spoilies and then said there's a Greek goddess. Oh, I could have also read it. In, like, why are they just throwing a name around? <laughs> anyway. Anyway, this is when we get the start of Xenon's no good, very bad day where Greg breaks up with Xenon. Her space or her her space boyfriend, boyfriend from a year say, ago. I was gonna say her space boyfriend, but she's the space one. Her Earth boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I love they, that they yeah. felt like they needed to explain why he wouldn't pop up in this movie. Like they people are gonna be demanding where Greg. It's is. been a year. Just and they're fifteen. She lives in space. Like it's. And then, you know what? Xenon knows her worth because she's like, can you believe he had the audacity to break up with me? Like, I, I should have dumped his ass. And I was like, good for you, Xenon. Know that. Yeah, she's like, that I'm not surprised. She's like, yeah, it's not going to work out. I live in space. That's crazy. But like, he dumped me. What the hell? And I was like, mm-hmm. love the confidence, girlfriend. Yeah, she, very, she that is something Xenon has in spades that we're certainly not going to undermine with the trash throwaway one-liner down the road. I do think, though, that Xenon having a lot of confidence coming off of Ultimate Christmas Present, I think they play it very differently because both the main mm-hmm. characters are very confident, almost to a fault. But... Allie from Ultimate Christmas Present is arrogant and refuses to ever accept help or that she's made any kind of mistake or any kind of accountability. But Xenon, I think, is very likable. Like, she's confident, and I think she's a good main character. She's a good, like, female protagonist. But I think she is also very willing to ask for help and learn from her mistakes. I think the sort of infuriating thing to me about this movie is that it it plays with two sides of the same coin. So on one hand, it's incredibly tied to the first film. You the reason she has this like restricted area roaming pass is because she saved the space station. Uh she uh, we we pay off the boyfriend. We pay off all these different characters and and protozoa and all the stuff that we're going to talk about. But on the other hand, when she starts raising warning flags and saying like this thing is happening nobody believes her and it's like didn't we just do this like wasn't that the last movie that like you were raising red flags and nobody believed you and you ended up saving the space station like it feels like this is the same thing again and so if you're gonna pay off all of the other stuff how are we just back to like not trusting xenon i I think i agree with you molly that like her confidence is is also in like, we know that she's right. And so it doesn't come across there again. The problem with Hallie is that like, she's just a dick. Like, and and like, and she's causing problems. Whereas Xenon's actually trying to like help, you know? Yeah. It's, and I, one thing that I think they tried to do is they connected us back to, uh, we've said it over and over again. They connected us back to Xenon girl of the 21st century a lot. And then they tried and it was, it felt pretty half-hearted and kind of rushed they tried to have a series of events that Xenon is a part of to undermine the authority figure's confidence in Xenon again. And then, and we'll get this to this in literally just a second, they bring in a new authority figure that is already predisposed to not trust Xenon based upon the secondary character that we get introduced. So there's like, it's this weird sort of discordance at the get-go. I almost wish mm-hmm. that she hadn't told Commander Plank about the aliens. I wish she had told General Hammond or whatever his name is. Makes more sense. And then, because what we get later is Commander Plank believing her and being like, I'll help you guys and not tell the general. Like, I wish that had been the thing from the start where like Mm -hmm. Commander Plank and her parents and Aunt Judy and everybody always believe Xenon, but the people that Mm -hmm. don't are these new military 
folks and then yeah. they're like listen we believe you but we got to play politics here like we'll help you out under the radar like which they end up doing but i agree i wish that from the get-go commander plank and everyone had believed yeah, it would have been it would have been a, it would have yeah. made more sense so let's actually get into like how it's a better rewrite agree. for sure yeah i like your script her restricted zone roaming past god that's a mouthful got revoked she was put to work in what would surely violate every single type of child labor law in the basement night shift of a facility in the space day that monitors extraterrestrial contact. I got to say, though, at first I was like, this is crazy that you're letting a 15 year old monitor all this equipment and everything. And then I realized it's not that different than after 5 p.m. every day at Walt Disney World when the people monitoring all the equipment are 20 year old college, yep, college students. students. Yeah, <laughs> that are still hung over from yesterday. All sure I could are. think about was me operating rides as right. a dumbass college student and how yeah. at Walt Disney World after a certain hour, it's all college students running every ride. That is it. Yeah, and it's not common, but every once in a while, there's a 16-year-old that's working there too. Like there's there are locals that sometimes work at Disney and like, yeah, yeah it's the same. Yeah, I thought like, hey, her listening for aliens, not much different than pushing the button on Tower's hair. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Speaking of community theater, we also get one of the weirdest uh, uh, <laughs> changes here yep. is Cutter from Stepsister from Planet Weird, the absolute doofus coming in to be the science nerd. Orion. Who and knows his stuff about aliens, Orion. And I'm just going to say that boy's got range. He does. I, I got to say he has range, but only in extraterrestrial themed films. Sure. <laughs> yeah, the, he's, yeah. he's like the Spencer Breslin of, uh, of extraterrestrial yeah, he doesn't, films. He loves an alien film. Yeah, I uh, think that's right. Uh, that, that adds up. He can only be in one genre, but he can be smart or dumb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Take your pick. Take your pick. But you Happy know what? He's going to fall for a blonde either way. That's You know what? You're not wrong. <laughs> this, this all adds up. So Xenon is working this job, and then, much to her chagrin, Protozoa has not been seen in public. He has sort of become a recluse in the last year. He's not written. There's news stories about him. Uh, people are wondering where this artist has gone. She takes this very hard, which, okay. Wouldn't you? The U.S. military is coming in to take over the space day. And nobody is happy about this. Everybody on the space station thinks that the U.S. military has no idea what they're doing and operating a space station. Uh, and their immediate worry is that what's going to happen? Are they going to send us back to Earth? We don't want to go back. To, it's the same plot point as before. Like, we don't want to be on Earth. Earth is bad. It's inky. Also, their food looks like gummy bears. Like, I don't know if you guys paid a close attention to the food on their plate, but like their food looks like candy. I don't know who's catering in space, but it might be Willy Wonka. Like mm. their food is just colorful treats in bowls. And it reminded me of this thing I saw on TikTok recently where people are making things called popcorn salad. And what? it's basically just a 10 year old's dream. And it's like where you get popcorn and then you just cover it in all kinds of candy, like whatever your favorite candy is. And I've seen it a lot on TikTok because it's like self-care day, making a popcorn salad and watching my favorite show. And it's just like popcorn with gummy bears and Skittles and M&Ms and Twizzlers and whatever else you could throw onto popcorn. And like, I think that's what they're eating in in the space day. That and English peas. Did you not see that lunch tray piled high in one of the quadrants with English peas? I was too busy looking at the gummy bears. God, <laughs> so many English peas. It's a balanced meal right there. Gummy bears and English peas. So General Hammond shows up in the space day. 
Hold on. Yeah. Did you all see the space shuttle? Yes. Yes. It was camo. It was. The space shuttle. It's military. That the military took was fucking camo. It has to blend in. I, I, what is it blending into? Wait, Max, space could you, is could you back up void. and ask me if I saw it again? Sure. Hold on. Did you all see the space shuttle? I couldn't see it. Hold on. Yeah. Did you all see the space shuttle? I couldn't see it. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. It's like John Cena. The space shuttle, because it's the military. Good Lord. She's real sick of that. camo. I, I legitimately was like, you've got to be shitting me. Like when I saw that, that what a crazy detail. Why can't it just be a space shuttle? Um, a camo space shuttle? Okay. Also, like if it's going to be camo, painted black. Or stars. <laughs> like, it's literally... No, no it's there are trees in space, space. Alan. <laughs> there are trees in space. You're trying to blend in. Just do the camo right. Like, if you're going to no. do it, do it right. Anyway. The night sky is blue, Alan. It needs to be blue and black. It needs to you know have what? stars on it. Thank you, you don't for know. sharing. I know. I know. Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, so General Hammond shows up. And the first thing he does is sin for Xenon because she's the main character. So Xenon shows up <laughs> and, and he's like, ma'am, I've got a very important mission for you. And then Xenon like exchanges some very weird and... No, she's the best kiss ass of all time. I love her. She is. I, she blows I, some I, smoke up that I ass. I admire her kiss assery. And the general goes, you have a very important mission. You will be looking after my daughter and i was like it's gonna be fucking margie isn't it i guess what margie's back and she is slaying the space look by the way Mm -hmm. every outfit of margie's i was into i i was a little curious when i looked up the imdb on the recast stuff i saw that she was in the movie and i was having not seen i was like oh that's interesting i guess we go to earth i i was not ready for margie to come to space i that 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 was uh, you know a little unexpected. You on and my Xenon end. had that in common because she yeah, that's was right. also not thrilled to see Margie and. I also yeah. thought that we ended Xenon Girl of the Twenty First Century with Margie and Xenon on good terms. Yeah, but it's still like a teenage girl frenemy thing. Hmm. It's been a year. She wants Greg, and Xenon's been holding him down on a LDR. You know, mm-hmm. and now and and now. Margie broken up. Do anything. She's upset on behalf of Greg. Uh, yeah. so it's a whole what it. a tangled web. We you made. get it. But but basically, Margie's like, my dad does what I want. I got him wrapped, as she says, as in around her finger, and basically do everything I tell you to, or I'll tell my dad that you and your family should be some of the people sent back to Earth. Yeah, let's just make this simple. I'm blackmailing you, is what she said. (laughs) Also, she makes Zidon do, like, give her a pedicure and, like, borrow her clothes. Now, I'm not saying. Cut her food? That was crazy. crazy. That part is crazy. Now, that got me thinking. I'm not suggesting anyone here would blackmail someone else. But Uh if you did, what would you make them do? Like, I don't think I need someone to cut my food. Like, are there things I would appreciate some help with? Yeah, but I don't need anyone to cut up my like space turkey. What would you make? What would you make Xenon do? What would I make Xenon do? I don't feel yeah. comfortable answering this question about a fifteen-year-old child. This is like, if we're talking about the 
Any blackmail activity. You're blackmailing Alan. Any any blackmail activity I want, like I already pay for via Instacart. Like that's like that is. No, I need someone to put my laundry away. What would you blackmail me to do, Max? Uh, It's a good question. I don't have a great answer. I think we live in a real world of convenience. Give me money. Oh, Isn't that usually a blackmailing is about? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's well, about money, I'm right? Gonna, like, I'm just menial tasks don't seem. I'm gonna blackmail someone to do my laundry for me. Here's my problem. Now, Alan is not a great example because I like Alan, but I think generally you're not gonna blackmail someone that you like. And if that's the case, I don't want to spend time with them, and mm-hmm. so I don't want to ask them to do menial tasks for me because then I have to be around them. No one needs probably. to be around to to put away my laundry i guess that's probably true so i huh i just looked up the difference between blackmail and extortion (laughs) Uh uh-huh tell me more because when you mentioned you wanted money i was like is is it blackmail if you're trying to get money out of somebody Uh uh-huh yeah so then i went to the federal difference between blackmail and extortion for the record you're now blacklisted. You're on somebody's camera somewhere. Mm, like you got triggered on a watch Guess list. Guess what? Hello, <laughs> FBI. Thank you for listening. There if you could so uh, like, like rate, and review. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, if you could just tell your team to please like please, sh- share the please pod. share with the rest of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Share we would pod. love to have them listen. If you want to come on the pod, actually. Yeah, we have sure. some questions for we you. Have some questions we have some questions about extortion and blackmail. So, and aliens. It, yeah, all of the above. Extortion is a crime that involves the use of coercion to obtain property, money, or services from a victim. Coercion, in this case, usually involves force, violence, or threats to destroy property and improper government action. On the other mm-hmm. hand, blackmail doesn't involve force or threat of violence. So yeah, this so she is blackmail, because there's yeah, no violence. violence. There's no violence. That's interesting that that's the only difference between extortion and blackmail, because... It's the coercion bit. It's the violence Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Hmm. Anyway, this got weird, and I'm sorry I asked. Long story short, I don't want to do my laundry, and I was uh, thinking about that while watching <laughs> this movie. So that's the end. We get a montage of the actions that I think you, both of you have mentioned of uh, Margie putting Xenon through these this this sort of like frankly indentured servitude, and it results in I think one of the weirdest scenes is that instead hey, this is what I don't get. I'm just going to cut to the chase. Xenon puts glue in the nail polish that she is going to use to paint Margie's toenails. Uh huh. Now, I like to think that Xenon's smart. She does some smart things throughout this film. This is stupid. Yeah. Margie knows Xenon is performing the pedicure. Xenon knows Margie holds her fate and her family's fate in her hands like a tiny bird. Yeah, this is why a weird would you, move, I agree. Why would you do this? I don't get it either. I thought the same thing. She, she, Xena just said something to Nebula about like, uh, you know, I'm not going to go down without a fight. And then she did some kind of like prank thing. But I agree. That feels like it would only instigate what you're trying to avoid. I was so perplexed by this. This like hastens the outcome you don't want. Anyway. We do get our second instance of Margie this time going, Xenon! And then cut to Xenon doing her nighttime uh, job, which had a spark of nostalgia for me because she was playing with this little photo cube thing. Um, Did y'all ever have one of those? Do you know what I'm talking about? The toy she's playing with where she like opens it and closes it and it's different pictures on the outside. I remembered in that moment 
that I had one that was Star Wars. When they re-released huh. Star Wars, the special editions in theaters, I had like an Empire Strikes Back one and you would like open it and then close it and it would be the Death Star and then open it and close it again and it would be like Darth Vader and Boba Fett and, and other characters. And I had not thought about the existence of that very dumb toy um, since probably I last handled that photo cube thing. And Xenon just like kind of mindlessly playing with it triggered my brain in a crazy nostalgia way. You had a nostalgia blast? I did. It's weird to see toys that you're like, oh, wow, I had that. Nostalgia like, blast. And major. I haven't thought about it in 25 years, but <laughs> I had that. Like <laughs> That exact thing. But you're right, Max. We get the aliens sending the message, Zoom, which was weird. Well, not to give away the plot, they said Zum at first. Oh, she doesn't, for, right. you know, we don't want to, let's not, let's not, not give away. Of ourselves, right? They yeah, say they, Zum. Zum. Yeah. And, um... This is when we get back to the trope of nobody believing Xenon. We have we have her saying like I've got these messages and they they will hit this beat about the Zums three or four times over the coming half hour sporadically. I, I also don't really understand because her whole point of taking this position is to to track alien communication, right? Yeah. But but then when to listen in, right? when she says she hears something specifically commander plank kind of is like there's nothing else out there but us and i'm like then why does this position exist yeah it seems like a position that i I can't think of an example of this but i feel like i've been in this scenario where there's a job that like you're required to have somebody sit in this chair but they're never going to do anything. And it's just like ridiculous. But it's like, I can imagine a world where they're like, well, if you're going to be in the space today, there has to be somebody listening for aliens. And after 25 years, you go, well, they're never going to say anything. Yeah. Mm. I guess that's true. I don't know. But we're like legally required to have somebody sit in this chair. Ocean mandated. I understand. Right, exactly. That makes sense. That makes sense. I just think humans are really arrogant to be like, there's definitely not anything else out there. 100% 100% agree. Oh, absolutely. We also kind of go back to the well. Uh, oh, this is a, a new development, I should say, of Margie now making a ton of friends on the space state, including Neb. Dude, oh. Nebula is a jerk in this movie. I I'm just going to say it. Agree. She is so awful. And Xenon just lets her off the hook. Like... Xenon never holds her to it, but Nebula is horrible to Xenon in this film. I don't think she's great, but I also don't know that I would say she's horrible. I think I think there are valid points to Nebula's argument of just because you hate someone doesn't mean I have to. I think that when somebody is blackmailing your best friend, you should probably not be friends with that person. But what is Nebula supposed to do, to her point, just not have any friends? If all the friends, if every teenager on the ship is going to hang out with Margie and Xenon has to go do this dumb job, Nebula is supposed to just not hang out with anyone? I think my answer is that if uh, somebody is blackmailing your best friend, you shouldn't associate with them. So I think that sucks her nebula. That's fine. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, she's choosing to hang out with Margie and no one else. It's either hang out with everyone or no one. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I think the, the thing that they build is that she is hanging out with Margie, right? Like it's not just Nebula's in a group that Margie's with. They start there. They end with Nebula being best buds with Margie and like, and like walking with her. It's only the two of them. That's what it builds to. I, you know, Hey, everybody's going to see the movie, go see the movie. Xenon lets her off the hook. She bails pretty quick. Um, 
I, I wish she would have had a little bit more hesitation. But the next time we see him, it's just Mar Margie and Neb, and Neb like takes Margie's side. So I think that if if it was always in a group atmosphere, I could get on your I could get on your end. But the reality is, it builds to Nebula basically just switching and being like Margie is the new Z. And uh, I, I mean, I, I can't, I think that's a horrible writing for this character. I think it's a bummer because I liked Nebula in the first movie and I think she's pretty terrible in this film. They, they don't address it well. That's what I will say significantly because like I also, I also hated that Nebula ultimately left Xenon and like even was the jacket carrier for Margie. Like mm -hmm. Margie's like, told my jacket, peasant. And Neb does it gleefully, it looks like on yep. her end. But it's that, that didn't sit well with me. There is something that, that I think Margie does that's worse, if I'm being oh, honest. Oh, I think Margie's better. Oh, I think Margie's definitely the I worst. I think Margie's yeah. terrible. I just think, and I, I agree, I don't like that I would not be someone's jacket carrier. Fuck that. Um, and I do think Nebula takes it too far, but I don't think it's as easy as Nebula is terrible because I think there's nuance in this situation and it's not just like black and white. And I, I think the argument that I hate this person, so you have to too, is really stupid. Oh, I, I, I agree. I think that I don't get along with somebody, so you shouldn't get along with them is, is a stupid argument. That person is disrespecting me and taking advantage of me and blackmailing me is, in my opinion, a little bit different. But I, I think that if it had started in the first place, I wouldn't have any problems with it. I think it gets to a really bad place that makes me say Nebula's pretty terrible in this film. And then I think what's worse is that I don't ever really see her apologize for that in fact like z apologizes basically like z's like oh it was a minor thing whatever she lets neb off the hook um and and so i think that bums me out as well too i do think neb should apologize for i think they should i think neb should apologize but i also like the through line that their friendship is stronger than this one disagreement because that's the whole thing like jumping ahead the whole thing is that margie doesn't have any friends she doesn't know how to make any friends they try and give margie a redemption arc for why she's so terrible and i like the through line that even though xenon and neb had this issue their friendship is stronger than that because that's mm -hmm. what actual friendship's about so i don't mm -hmm. personally want to i think nebula makes a mistake but i don't think she's horrible in the film what is horrible is how many times Margie says the word daddy. Oh, I really did you keep count. I did. It's more than 10, which oh. is when I stopped counting because I understand that that's an innocent term for somebody in their teens to perhaps call their father. But Especially in, in 2001. Yeah. In 2001. Totally fine. Social context was different. Yeah. yeah. 2023. I'm uncomfortable hearing it said that many times with that amount of attitude. I was <laughs> like, wow, I don't like this. Because the social connotation of daddy said in that way has changed significantly. And that is, that was not great. Okay, so we have Neb kind of going off this. I, I think this is also sort of a really lazy way of people like, people would ask the question like, why isn't Neb there? Like they, they've tried to easily answer that question uh, while uh, Xenon is, is doing her night job. And Xenon continues to hear more zums, which quickly becomes zooms. And I said out loud at this time, Please don't be singing Protozoa. Oh, yeah, they were. We had the opposite reaction because I thought, please be singing Protozoa. It's Xenon also like, I actually, I wrote this down. Xenon says, just because I can't explain something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And I was like, uh, what? That's true. That's the same argument that Charlie uses in the Santa Claus. <laughs> 
You know what? That is the font of logic from which we drink. Charlie from yeah. the Santa if, Claus. If that's true of the Santa Claus, I mean, uh, if it came from the Santa Claus, it has to be right. I agree. Yeah. I I loved I loved that the sound was the protozoa sound. I loved that it played all three. Before she put it together, I heard it. I was like, oh dear God. (laughs) I I think what I'm hearing is that all three of us, regardless of how you felt about it, had a visceral reaction to hearing the fucking aliens say zoom zoom zoom. zoom." I loved it so much. I was like, oh my dear Jesus. (laughs) I knew Protozoa was in this movie, but wow, is that a way to go? True. Also, while this is happening, they just, it's so, like, it's such a throwaway thing, but they're literally jettisoning pieces of this space station into space as space trash and graphics are unbelievable what yeah that's great can we just talk for a second about we've all seen the hallways of this space station frequently it is a place that the camera has spent a lot of time on characters walking down these hallways not a singular time until this scene do we see it with seats and seat belts this is the first time we're about to jettison everybody take your seats everybody looks around as if this is like a normal fucking Tuesday and they sit down on this chair that wasn't there in any other scene and strapped in. I got it. I got some questions too because they, they're going to jettison off part of the spaceship to save money, right? That's the... It's no, decaying. it's because... It's because this... And this is the fault of the whole fucking movie is that the, the reason they're there is that the spaceship is like basically falling apart. It's decomposing and is at risk of falling out of orbit, crashing and killing everyone on board. Mm -hmm. And so they've come to like get rid of some of the worst parts and salvage what remains uh, and like make it last as long as possible. But ultimately it's going to fall apart. And so they've come to like start that and, and they're made the villain. And it's like, well, the, the alternative is you all die. So like, I don't really understand what, how is this guy the villain? Like, Communication is the villain. I also, Communication. I also just said, like, I don't know that that's how buildings work, where you can just, <laughs> like, chop a part of it off and it's fine. I like the, the, the incredible inconvenience it has caused as at once it was a circle and now <laughs> is a U. And so if you're on one end, your ass got to walk all the way around now to get to the other side. You can't just go across that one section anymore. Oh, man, that Wildly is terrible. And what happens if you cut two sections and now you can't get in between uh, <laughs> one of them? Like, right? <laughs> <laughs> Like that made me think like the middle section has to be like an elevator that transports you everywhere you want to go because oh that's the God. only reason that makes it's sense. the glass elevator from Wonka. Speaking of candy food, it's like it'll just go in whatever direction it needs right. to. Okay. All of this is really sort of to establish that there's stress in the space day, mainly because the commander's not actually communicating why he's there. He's trying to keep this a secret that the base station is decaying, but also the people on the space station know something's up because Wyndham and Lutz's sabotage knocked the space station out of orbit in the proper way. So, I mean, it wouldn't be a stretch to just, you know, tell the people what's happening. And, oh God, there's just so much that is intended to happen in this. And the aliens want to meet Protozoa. Yeah. That's that, the most that important That is what part. we want. The aliens want to meet Protozoa. And somehow... That becomes the thing we have to do. Not, not that it actually helps with the first problem at all. Not that it is even connected to the at main storyline at all. 
it just becomes Xenon's plot point, even though it has nothing to do with the space station at all. It's how she processes her trauma and emotion. She just decides to ignore it and go on a mission to help these aliens that she think want to meet Protozoa because they sing zoom, zoom, zoom. Oh, also, Neb and her family are being sent back to Earth. So Neb and mom get sent back to Earth. Xenon is too emotionally unstable to be there, quote unquote, <laughs> because they've had a conversation in the storage room. And I was like, I, I can't be there. I cannot see you leave. It's going to destroy my soul. And I was like, no shot. That would be how yeah, this strong also, character responds. Yeah, they carried that shady ass box in there too. So you knew mm -hmm. something was up. But mm -hmm. really, Xenon's sneaky back to Earth. That's yeah, the whole thing. She sure thing. is. She's in the shady ass back. box. Yeah. yeah. Not only Xenon though. Margie. Well, because Margie overhears it. And this is the whole Margie plot point where Margie, they're going to try to give her a redemption arc, which I mentioned, but Margie doesn't have any friends, which I think is why I'm, it's not done well, but I don't hate the Nebula plot point because I think it's trying to explain the importance of friendship. <laughs> and it's like Margie realizes that even though she might be able to come in and like, be a bitch to Xenon and like get Nebula to like be her jacket holder. At the end of the day, the true friendship between Xenon and Nebula is like something she doesn't have. And that upsets her. So she decides to also sneak and go to earth. The, the Margie plot here is really hazy. I, I, I th this is another, I think this movie is again at fault of like having too many things going on. And, and a lot of them suffer because of that, because they're trying to keep them all up. They're trying to keep every plate spinning. There's, I don't understand Margie's motivation for following Xenon to Earth. Like her, her stated motivation is I want an adventure. That's it. She has no motivation other than you get to go on adventures uh, to I follow Xenon to it, it's And then she like goes with her to find Protozoa and to do all, and like puts herself in danger and like goes to find the aliens. It's like, what you were just a like you were just blackmailing her earlier like what is I, the motivation to help her i think the motivation is to be mean to xenon again because she tells her dad that xenon kidnapped her yeah but she plays that i, I agree but she plays it off as like well i had to do that because otherwise he would be mad at me it's like you didn't have to come like it's just you just gotta not come right like i that was her way of getting out of getting in trouble was to blame xenon for sure um, it's very puzzling. The I, whole Margie storyline is I, incredibly puzzling. I think they're trying to do a female friendship message, which I may be giving this movie more credit than it deserves. But I like think they're, I thought up until almost the very end that they were trying to do a female friendship message. And that started with Greg breaking up with Xenon and her being like, knowing her worth and being like, whatever. And then the whole like tumultuous relationship with Neb and Xenon, but then them being friends again and like showing that their friendship is stronger than than the drama and then there's like the classic mean girl trope in there with margie i thought maybe this whole thing was a nice allegory for female friendship but again i could be trying way too hard yeah i'm gonna go ahead and AD quote Com. you from the ultimate christmas present and uh say bold of you to assume <laughs> that this movie yeah, has, a, has a theme to it uh Maybe it's six themes to it, but I was. Yeah, that, that's the problem, right? And this yeah, isn't really unique to this film. We've had a lot of ecoms like this, where if they would just cut down the threads, that the whole movie would be better. Oh it, yeah, just it's, this movie's a soap opera. This is the thing: the Xenon universe is a soap opera. That's what we're dealing with, and it is. I, I had this realization 
I think we talked a little bit about it in Xenon Girl of the 21st Century, but it is solidified, in my opinion, solidified here is that like, this is just a soap and all of the characters are trying to fill out soap tropes. And here we are. So Margie goes down to Earth with Xenon. They both go visit Aunt Judy, who is incredibly extra, very excitable, still dating Commander Plank. Uh, they have not been able to get married because of Judy's fear of space that we thought she conquered last movie. We did not. Judy believes that there is extraterrestrial life in the universe because Judy does not believe, nor is she so arrogant to believe that we are alone in the universe and begins to help Xenon and Margie look for protozoa mm. by doing a deep dive on his lyrics because music artists write from inspiration. So we're going to use that to geolocate him to a house in three ecosystems at once, a mountain jungle and beach and go find him there dealing with what he's dealing with. It's good when no one on earth can locate this very famous singer, but give Xenon 15 minutes and some song lyrics and man, she's pinpointed that I'm dude. I'm telling you, if the FBI and the CIA would like to solve some crimes, yeah, give it, give the internet to women because they'll figure we know, it out. We know you're still listening. Yeah. We know you're still listening, FBI. Let Listen, 15 year old come, girls fix it. They'll do come it. Come on the show. We'll talk about it. They'll do it. They Just give them somebody's Instagram and like a vague description and they'll figure it out. Maybe there's a focus group we don't know about that the FBI uses. We'd love to it's ask 15 you, year agents. I have friends in college. This is even before like most social media existed. That would be like, hey, I met this guy at a bar last night. His name was Joey. And I think he was like 22 and he had blonde hair. You can find him. Women can find him. Just let women with the internet solve all the crimes. It will work. This is very random, but have y'all ever seen the Instagram account Overheard LA or Overheard New York? Do you know this at all? I, I follow know, Overheard at Disney. I wonder if it's the same concept. I wonder if probably. it's the same. They People, have maybe. done, they've done misconnections in their stories where someone will reach out and be like, I was on a hiking trail. I ran into this guy. This is what he looks like. It was at this time on this trail. We talked about this. He was with his friend. Uh, his friend looked like this and then like we didn't give a number and they'll post it on stories and all these people respond and they've like figured out who the human being is in Los Angeles through this story on a few occasions and like made the connection and that shit is crazy to me like somebody will be like I know a guy named Stan that likes to hike I'll hit him up and like you just use the power of the internet I love that so and I love like now we're on an internet tangent, but have you ever seen like the TikToks or the reels or something where it's like, I've seen this a couple of times where a photographer or someone was like, hey, I just happened to be at this place oh, and yeah. saw a couple get engaged and I took these pictures and I don't know who they are. Can someone help me get them the pictures? And then they do. That's yeah. so nice. Or the 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 classic, um, I'm on a plane. I overheard your boyfriend talking about cheating on you oh, if your I name is those. melissa i love the girls like, i love go them. internet like this tell this what, tell this girl her man's a, a shitbag or whatever this is what this movie needed strong female friendships that are like <laughs> if you are named katie and you're from dallas and your fiance is <laughs> on his bachelor party in nashville right now he's making out with a bartender and it's like right. yes women unite if your name is Abby and you're interested in Will, then you should. 
They held hands. They did not kiss. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, they go to find Protozoa. And they do. They sure do. And they find him. It's really quite easy. They know exactly where to look. They trek through the jungle. Jeez. There is a jungle scene where Margie trips over nothing. That was my favorite scene in this entire movie. She's and they navigate a single spider. Yeah, very oh, well. Yeah, they freak out <laughs> over one spider. And it's like, and Protozoa is a lunatic, is what oh, I learned. He his wants, hair in this movie uh, is crazy. Is so crazy. Like, it, of course it's crazy, but I didn't realize until we saw him from the back that the brunette goes all the way around yes and like a weird bowl cut dye and then the tips are dyed it is wild and then it goes bleach again to the bottom i love it also wild and maybe this is watching it with 2023 eyes but the amount of times he calls these 15 year old girls darling and other pet names had me uncomfortable can we talk about the tickle barrier he has outside his house Oh, yeah, that... The tickle alarm? The alarm clock traps you and it tickles you. What the fuck, man? Love that. No. Feels like space tech. You think they got that on the space day? Probs. You know what? If they did, he he stole it from the space day and installed it in his pad. He's been up there. All of that to say, Margie and Xenon get through their obstacles. Xenon tells Margie not to try so hard and not be a tryhard, which I thought was great. And they link up a protozoa who is having a breakdown. Well, and, you know, this is when we get the Margie redemption arc because Margie finally admits that the reason she's such a bitch is because she doesn't have any friends. And she moved around a lot as a kid and her dad's in the military, so she never is around long enough to make any friends. So the way that she's coped with this is to kind of like bully people into being her friend. They're trying to make you feel bad for Margie. Yeah. Mm. I, I don't know Mm-mm. if anyone did. No. Um, and, and I just think it's interesting that Marjorie would lie to Xenon like that. Because... Oh, God. Lauren oh, Maltby... Oh, yep, here we are. Oh, here. ...played Erica at You're Invited to Mary-Kate and Ashley's school dance party. So wow. she clearly what? has friends and has been invited to parties. MK and A. MK and A, who played themselves in in the film you're invited sure. to mary cat and ashley's school dance party they did not play themselves though in one of my favorite mk and a movies passport to paris they played melanie and allison two girls who are sent to paris by their parents to visit their grandfather and hopefully get a more worldly view and their grandfather is a quite a military strict gentleman he's the ambassador uh for the united states to france very very strict uh played by peter white and he's no stranger to being in the military because he is the secretary of defense in armageddon oh who, who would have thought yep really you know who might have known is jim ashida who played client number three in armageddon my favorite client not one, not two. No, I'm a three guy. Number three, an amazing yeah. role. How many were there? Remind me. Three. Oh. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure it's not four. <laughs> no, no, no. There's three clients, and got it. They stopped when they got to the best one, which was again. Right. That, well, that that's why he was my favorite. Exactly. Right. Um, Jim played Ed on an episode of Trapper John, MD, because the theme of this. Uh huh. <laughs> The theme of this week is recasting 
Because if the name Trapper John rings a bell to you, it might be because you're a fan of the hit show MASH. And Trapper John MD is a spinoff of MASH featuring uh-huh. Trapper. Yeah. But they recast Trapper. He's not the same actor as on the show. And what's what? really interesting, this is this is wild to me. I found all this out today. I'm a big fan of MASH. And this show, Trapper John MD, is supposed to be a spinoff of MASH, but then the MASH producers threatened legal action because they didn't agree to this. <laughs> And oh. so then they said, no, 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 it's not a spinoff of the show. It's a spinoff of the movie, MASH. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. technically different things, but yeah. still very, very So weird. now if you look That's it up. That's true. It is technically different things. Now if you look <laughs> it up, Trapper John MD is noted as a spinoff of the movie. However, however, it was clearly supposed to be a spinoff of the TV show because in the pilot episode, they refer to several characters, including Radar, including Trapper, and including Hawkeye. So much that they actually show pictures of the characters from the show MASH, including my favorite character, Hawkeye. Hawkeye Pierce, played by Alan Alda. Obviously, he's in MASH, that's what I'm talking about. But alongside Hawkeye and MASH, his best buddy, who is it, Alan? Are we talking about Trapper or BJ? We're talking about BJ Honeycutt. BJ Honeycutt. An awesome, an upgrade, I'd say, from Trapper. Trapper's kind of a pig. Anyway. BJ Honeycutt was played by Mike Farrell, who also played Lee Miglin in American Crime Story, The Versace Season. He gets murdered, unfortunately, by Andrew Kananen, who was played by Darren Criss. And if you're like me, you were first introduced to Darren Criss as Blaine Anderson. We're going through Glee. On Glee. On Glee. It started great. It ended terrible, uh, like so many (laughs) things do. But showing up in just one episode of Glee as a real... Dick. There was a record producer named Martin, and he was British because he is played by Philip Rees Chaudry, who in this film plays our favorite rock star, Protozoa. How about it? Ooh, boy. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Wait, does that guy, zoom, does the guy who plays zoom, zoom. Protozoa only do music-based things? He must only do music-based like, things. Yeah, like Cutter only does alien-based things. Exactly. Mm. Everybody Spencer finds Breslin their niche. only does Christmas. Mm. You've been Armageddon, the part of the show where Molly, by no one's urging, has found yet another way this decom can be tied to the smash hit Armageddon. Don't tell her to stop because she won't. Okay, we find Protozoa. Protozoa is having a full-on meltdown. By the way, I do want to talk about Margie being a kid who moves around a lot for a little bit here as a kid who moved. Now, granted, I certainly didn't move around nearly as much as those who were in the military. So, like, I'm not going to say that it's the same by any stretch of the imagination. But having moved around quite a bit... Like, don't don't speak ill of those who move around a lot and becoming a bully. I think it was kind of one of those, like, you are mean so you don't get your feelings hurt, kind of. It's kind yeah. of what they were hinting yeah. at. It was like, yeah. she couldn't fit in, so instead of, like, I'll, I'll hurt you before you can hurt me, kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's it. They're trying to garner hard. sympathy for Marjorie, yeah. and I don't think... I don't think we need it. No. I think I think Marjorie and Xenon could have just been friends from the beginning. Yes, crazy it's almost like it would have been a better movie 
Protozoa is legitimately insane. He is going through writer's block. He has not written anything. He But he has told his agent, I believe, that he, like, I've done everything I want to do. I've been to space. I've done, like, I've reached the pinnacle of my craft. It's going to be incredible. Like, what's left for me to do? I could try to be the president, but then I, like, I don't know shit enough to be a president. No, he can't be the president because he's British. Can't be the president because I'm British. And then, like, I want to play an epic concert at, at the Pope's house, but I'm not Catholic. Which is like true. <laughs> I think he said he wanted to be the pope. Yeah, but he's I not. The be the pope? I, think he's, I think he said I'm he wanted sure. to be the president or the pope, but he can't because he's not pope. American or Catholic. Yeah, that's worse. Just play for the pope. He wanted to be the pope. Imagine the pope with that hair. Pope Protozoa. It would be covered by his hat. I guess. Yeah, pope Azoa. Pope Azoa is good. That's a good name. <laughs> That's a you good name. Fucking imagine him. Popozoa. I like that. Oh, Popozoa. And then when he goes in his Pope mobile, zoom, zoom, zoom. After convincing Protozoa to leave his funk because there are aliens who want to see him in concert, Protozoa has two really good questions for Xenon and Margie. One, why wouldn't we just ask the aliens to come to Earth for the concert? Mm-hmm. And Margie goes, because E.T. Did you see what happened in E.T.? Valid point. It's a solid, it's a solid argument. True. Very solid. And then uh, Protozoa, Mr. Zoa, as it were, asks a second really good question. Says, all right, great. You've solved the first riddle for me. Where do we meet them in space? <laughs> space is pretty big. Where do we meet them? Well, the good news is Xenon is a wheat hacker. Because she agree, she doesn't know, but she knows that there was some data that was, I don't know, put on her computer when they zoom, zoom, zoomed her, their message. And so she hacks. And when I say hack, I mean, seemingly types in random numbers and happens yes. to hit. I, I, I was so confused by this scene. There's no like... This is the thing we're trying to hack. She just said, I haven't been able to access it. Next scene, she punches in random numbers and access granted. It was like the craziest fast hack we've ever seen. Yeah, wild. So they send this R2-D2 star map to Orion. And Orion begins the process of performing calculations that are frankly that of somebody with super intelligence to calculate exactly where you're going to meet these aliens. And while this is happening, Margie and Xena have to solve the problem of how they're going to get to space because they do not have a spaceship. They solve the problem of friendship first. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. friendships is the gateway to spaceships. So mm-hmm. they have Margie attempt to call her father and Margie introduces a new trait to her personality. And that is that her and technology don't get along. So instead of calling her father, she hacks into his phone and spies on him, revealing the overall plot of the film <laughs> is that General Hammond was always going to decommission the entirety of the space station because that motherfucker is going to fall out of the sky at any point in time. Again. In because future. everyone's going to die. Again. I don't think he's the villain here. He's it's, not. He's, he's literally like, the alternative is everyone is dead. And they're both like, how could he do this? Like their reaction gotta is gotta stop crazy. that. <laughs> their reaction is crazy. I have to stop this person from saving everyone I love and hundreds of other people on the space. We gotta put that shit to bed. Let's go Better find go these meet the aliens. Let's go find these aliens. <laughs> let's go do that, because that's gonna a, solve put it. Put a pin in that, and let's go meet these aliens. It's so crazy. And then, and then, huh, 
Xenon, because they couldn't get in touch with General Hammond, and they figured out finally what the, the, the rationale for him being there was, which is a completely reasonable thing for him to be there for, they call Xenon's mother, whose only personality trait to date has been her fear of space and her fear of flying, and well, not space, her fear of flying a spacecraft and Earth. You're forgetting an important detail, I think. Do tell. I think you're forgetting that they actually get Aunt Judy to call Commander Plank. Oh, right. And Commander Plank is now on board with Xenon's schemes, which he should have been for the seemingly no reason. He yeah. just has decided because yeah. Judy told him to be. Yeah, Judy told she him to, and he's like, "You're right." So then he basically says to the general, "Hey, I miss my girlfriend. I'm trying to go to Pound Town. Yep, I'm trying." To get it in. To do the no pants dance. Mm-hmm. And I would like to go to Earth for a day. I'll escort the next people leaving, and then I'll be back up here, and the general's like, permission granted. And I just want to say congratulations to Aunt Judy for using her womanly wiles and to make this happen. But unfortunately, yeah. it doesn't happen because Commander Plank gets held found up. Out. He gets found out. Oh, he gets he, found out. Yeah, he has. Yeah. A, he's having a very open conversation with Orion about like going to the spot, and the general overhears them and is like, "Nah, bro, you're not going to do that." Again, why wouldn't the general just be like, "Hey, dude, everyone's going to die. Could we focus our attention elsewhere?" I just don't know why he's keeping it a secret. That is something is that is he, lost on. Is me. he the villain because he's not telling anyone? No, I, I, I mean, certainly he could have communicated better, but. It is, I, I, I really struggle with this plot because like they deus ex machina, the, the problem at the end that like they, they, when we get to the end, they just solve it, but they don't really solve it because the message is this, the space station is decay, hard stop. It is, it is deteriorating and it is dangerous. It's not on orbit. So it's happening faster. But like it is deteriorating hard stop. And so eventually when we get to the end for no reason other than plot reasons, the space station is like put back on orbit, but like it's still deteriorating. There's no resolution to this film really at all. Correct. I just like, okay, let's say that I know if you go to the grocery store tomorrow, there's a man there that's going to murder you. I'm not going to murder Jesus. you, okay. but there's a yeah. man there that's going to murder you. Holy and I know fuck. this and I don't tell you, Hey, uh, maybe don't go to the grocery store tomorrow. There's a uh, man there. That's going to murder you. Am uh, I not guilty? Am I not a more, villain too? I, I, I hear what you're saying. It feels more passive than that. It's like, because they, the, the only, it's not imminent. I guess is what I'm saying. If you go to the grocery store, you're just murdered. Right. Versus like they have some time until the space station deteriorates and everybody dies. He's just trying to like not cause, I think the fear is you go up there and you tell everyone you're all going to die. You cause mass panic. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you go up and you're like, Hey, I'm going to jettison a few of these sections at a time. You lower the numbers. You do it. You do it with a process. You don't freak everybody out. And then once everybody's safe, you're like, okay, now we got to get rid of the space station. I think maybe it's a, it's an effort in not causing hysteria. That's what I think. Okay. That's that's sort of what I wrestle. Okay. He's like he's I like can, trying not to get a panic event. Get on board with that. Still not a villain. Which again means he's not the villain at all. Yeah, I don't villain. think he's the villain. Not I'm at just, all. He's I'm literally just not trying the villain. to make him. <laughs> sure, they're making him the villain. So I'm just trying 100% to trying to are. make it work. But yeah, it, 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 doesn't. it doesn't. We eventually get Xenon's mother on the line. 
Xenon convinces her mother to abandon her stress helmets and to fly a trash, a shit ship back to Earth. <laughs> shit ship. <laughs> was really I like shit ship. ship. Was the mob like this in the last yes. movie? Yes. Or is this yeah, a new personality trait? I remember no. the stress helmet, but was she afraid of flying last year? And she was afraid oh, of it. I don't she remember. Was afraid of, like, I just felt like this was a new trait. personality trait. Like, I remember her getting overwhelmed and stressed easily. It's an entirely different person. It, it probably is a new personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> she hops with Orion on the shit ship, and they fly the ship down to Earth. There are some struggles through that where, at times, Xenon's mom is literally flying the ship with her eyes closed, which is terrifying oh i want to pause for a second because i just remembered something that's occurring in this scene so while we have like mom flying down to earth we have the the friendship arc between margie and xenon they're also like hanging out with protozoa as he gets ready to leave did you all notice the open mouth stare that margie had for protozoa that entire time it was uncomfortable the amount of staring that margie did at protozoa just there was some amount of ogling. I agree. Just too I, too much ogling. I think the mouth open was too much, but I do think if you're a teenage girl and then all of a sudden you're just hanging out with like a rock star. Justin Timberlake, yeah, I would have been like, uh, it's a lot of oogling. While this ship is coming down to space, while the oogling is ha- coming down from space, rather the oogling is occurring. We also have the intergalactic military show up and question Neb at her new apartment, nice apartment, as well as attempt to show up and question Judy. But Judy avoids the fuzz and gets out to come to the, to the beach with everybody else because that's where they're, they're landing. Judy off-roads her vehicle to the beach to meet with Xenon, Margie, and Protozoa as Xenon's mother is flying the trash ship down to the beach. And this is when things begin to coalesce. Everybody shows up on the beach and they get on the shit ship. Mom lands it semi-successfully. Semi-successfully. She does great. She does great. Just a good job. She she conquers a fear. Everybody hops on the shit ship as the- Does 18- Neb go? No, Neb does not go. No, no Neb does go. Okay. Wait, is it Neb, Neb is there? Neb goes. Neb's also there. Neb goes. Everybody, it's, don't, a, it's a gang back together moment because Judy ran yeah. to get to Neb and then the two right. of them show up at Protozoa's house. So it's like on the ship right. is like- Mom, Orion, Xenon, Margie, Protozoa, Neb. It's like a whole, everybody's there. More than you'd expect can go on a maintenance service elevator. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, shit, correct. That ship correct. looks tidy, but yet they're all comfortably in there and there's like That's eight right. seats somehow. That's right. They, they have plenty of seating on the shit ship. They all hop in as the ATV military intergalactic squad pulls up. They jump to space after uh, mom uses a bit of caveman repair by punching the the dials to get the ship to launch, and they are now in space again. We cut back to the space station. God, this is the climax of the movie. It's crazy how this is where we are. We cut back to the space station. General Hammond is pissed because somebody has stolen a ship. It is a reasonable thing to be angry about. They sure. have stolen a ship to go and get somebody who has committed a crime. <laughs> So that they can go talk to aliens. So that they can talk to aliens. Crazy. Which will solve absolutely nothing. Solve nothing. So they're pissed. He's pissed reasonably. So he's talking to Xenon's dad and Commander Plank. And Xenon's dad, ultimately, after this sort of uh, lambasting, is like, hey, you know what? We both have the same end goal in mind, and that is to get the people on that spaceship back to the space stay safely which quells this concern for the time being and gives us time to cut back to the shit ship while we ha- and, and we learn there we're running out of fuel because Orion did a dumb thing and didn't fill up the fuel tanks. True. <laughs> Seems like Leaving you shouldn't. Leaving them stranded. 
you shouldn't leave things like the fuel tanks to a 15 year old. Like that feels like I mean, there should be more checks and balances than that. Seems like a cutter moment here. You know, he was, yeah. so, he was so smart up until this point. He forgot who he was. It he just did. feels like, should there not be like some backup plans? You know, no. it was also some, fast. Some, it was also fast. Mom piloted with her eyes closed. Like I think by definition, an auxiliary tank is a backup plan, but I, 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 you know, he, <laughs> he forgot that too. cutter. It's fine. Cutter assured me the auxiliary tanks even bigger than the main tank. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> like, why wouldn't that just be why, the main why tank? Wouldn't that why wouldn't just that? be the main tank? <laughs> like <laughs> makes no sense. Not only are they running out of fuel, they have very limited rations. And Oh, guess what? Just in case the fear of long-term death via being stranded in space, isn't imminent enough. Let's have the moon's gravitational pull. Yoink you to the moon so you can crash and die in, yeah. a, in a, an explosion. As this comes to pass, as the shit ship is being pulled via a very, very strong gravitational pull of the moon down to crash land on the moon's surface, who would appear but the spirit of Moana's grandmother? But a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> a beautiful butterfly appears. Heimlich. Moana. Merged with Moana. Make waves, make waves. <laughs> and the alien spaceship flies into scene. I am the daughter of the stupid ship. And it did look like crazy. Moana's grandmother. It's Moana's it grandmother. Sure it, 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 it sure did. It sure did. Somebody, somebody working on Moana went and watched Zine on the sequel on a weekend and came yeah. back and said, "Guys, I got an idea. I have a great idea. I, I gotta say that someone also that designed the Galactic Star Cruiser saw Xenon's bed and was like, "Yep, <laughs> yeah, that's the one. True, that's the one. Guys, uh, I have a great idea. Yeah. So this alien composed of dust and light. Wait, wait, wait. Before we get there." I need. I I loved this slide, oh, uh, which I think really sums up everything we've been talking about here. Um, but I found the theme of Xenon. Yeah. Okay. Because the Moana's grandma tractor beams <laughs> yep. the ship. Yep. Mm -hmm. And saves them from crashing. And they're like, "Well, what if they're going to take us captive?" And she says, "You cannot be in a ship that beautiful and be evil." To which I tell you the theme of Xenon is judge books by their cover. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just look at people and make judgment. All, you know? I could, like, all I could think of was somewhere out there, the architect of the Death Star is crying because he thought his ship was beautiful uh, and yet full yeah. of evil people. Oh, and yeah. and oh. he thought this was nice. It's, do, can we nice. also talk about a line? Is that an accurate reference? Yeah. Mads, Mads, nice. Mads Milliken is, is out there going, I really made something here. And, and it's and, evil, apparently. And some teenager yeah. said it wasn't beautiful. It wasn't beautiful. Uh, Fifteen-year-old girls can hurt. They they hurt. Fifteen-year-olds are ruthless. You're not kidding. Yeah. I like the Xenon's like, it's pretty, so it must be nice. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be nice. It's a good life lesson. Did you also hear Cutter's great line about mom and dad? I went to the Milky Way, and all I got were these crummy humans. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> I, I just like that. What way to go, Cutter. Way to redeem yourself after that fuel incident. Well done. So you're correct. After after being tractor beamed out of the moon's gravitational pull, the alien made of dust and light emerges. These aliens are crazy. Dude, uh, what a ship. wild version. I was literally like, what are they going to look like? I, I couldn't wait to find <laughs> out, you know? In, in my movie, they're the aliens from Can of Worms. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, 
What a great opportunity for a decom in, universe in yes, moment. Yes. Okay. First of all, the thing with the fucking teeth could be here. Yeah, like the eyes the Dan Newland could be here to help you with your. I mean, they literally are in a broken car. Like, He's like this uh, is Dan's uh, uh, moment. Dan Newland is like, are you on a spaceship that's going to explode yeah. and kill everyone? You might be entitled to compensation. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I this dumbass leave your auxiliary tank empty and out of gas, and you're stranded in the. Uh, endless expanse of space you might be entitled oh. oh my god honest to god i wrote i literally wrote down i was like since they're in a manatee it would make sense if they were the bubble people but i like from steps from planet they weird been the bubble people but too. i like i like uh they could have been the bubble people i would have liked all of them just like a cameo from all, all former decom extraterrestrials right here Instead, we got Dino DNA. Like, that's what I thought of when I saw them. I also kept waiting for it to form. Like, I thought it just, nope. like, was... Uh, sure, I yeah. thought it was, like, going to become, <laughs> become <something>. solid. <laughs> and it never did. Uh. No, just floaty particles. Again, an exercise in CGI. Like, they're like, Wait. look what we could do. <laughs> And then they're like, we won't have it communicate. We'll just have Xenon fucking read its mind. Like, that was crazy. What a crazy choice. Makes my, no sense. My favorite part. My favorite part of this is like, yeah, Xenon can translate from their silence. And they're like, how, how, what? And she's like, I don't know. It just is inside me. That's what she said. It, it, I could just hear yeah, it, it in my, in my head. Jesus Christ. And then at one point she starts and they're like, one of them is like, why aren't they just taking our... They need a star map. They, they needed something. They needed a map or they're lost and they needed something that Xenon's ship has. And, and somebody on the ship is like, why don't they just take it from us? And Xenon starts giggling and laughing like the alien said the funniest thing ever. And they're like, what, yeah. what did they say, Xenon? And she's like... <laughs> He said that, like, <laughs> he said taking without asking isn't nice. And they all die laughing. Like, that's the funniest, <laughs> it's the funniest thing line in the movie. Ever. And I was yeah. like, oh, God. I thought the alien had told a joke. Like, <laughs> knock, yeah. knock. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's a real missed opportunity here for Xeon to be like, I don't know. I can just feel it. Well, what did it say, Xenon? That it's going to murder your whole fucking family. And then she's like, just kidding. <laughs> Wait, is this Ghost Adventures in space? Yes. Right. Yes. Where's her spirit box? Yeah. She is oh, the spirit it's box. The spirit box. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like when, when freaking Ghost Adventure Zach Bagus listens to the spirit box and she's like, oh my and Zach Bagus like, they're they murdered a child in here, and it's like, what? That is this moment. Zach Bagan also what, watched Xenon. What did, God, it, it, what did Xenon they say, Xenon? They're going to commit genocide. Like, I just... <laughs> whoa, God. whoa, whoa. <laughs> We're going to blow your planet up like Alderaan. <laughs> like, I don't... Like, ah! um, God. And then in the last five minutes, we wrap every plot like we have been in the most recent DCOMs very, very quickly. But in the craziest way possible, they get... they The aliens take them back to their failing spaceship. The Base day is about to crumble, but then the aliens put back together the jettison parts of the space. Yeah, they just go get them all. <laughs> they just collect trash across. I guarantee those aliens are like these littering motherfuckers. <laughs> like bring the trash back in and put it back on here. They seemingly don't fix the pieces. Like, wasn't the problem that those pieces had decomposed and were not safe? Like, they don't like fix them. They Maybe just put they them out. They're like, yeah, it'll be fine. 
Maybe they did that off oh, screen. Maybe that, that's the off screen development in this yeah. one. I maybe just don't understand how buildings work, I uh, guess, because I wasn't aware that you could just like take a piece of a building out and then put it back in and it would be immediately modular. Like, wired correctly. It's, like it's it, fixed. They yeah. put it back in and the lights come on in those sections immediately. And I was like, oh. And and then the alien manatee pushes Why the you ship. Why did a manatee? What is it? Alien stingray? It's definitely no, a manta ray. Sorry, so sorry. A manta ray. Sorry. If it's Moana's grandmother. <laughs> yeah. Although I like a manatee a little bit more, if I'm being honest. I, yeah, That's I not said what the wrong like, thing, but okay? I'm enjoying it. Looks like the manta ray, I, I said the wrong yeah. thing. Then the alien manta ray pushes the space day back in orbit. So apparently everything's good, but only for, for only delaying the inevitable is really what yeah, this is. It's about. still gonna. Everyone's still gonna die. It's just a few years away now. Like. I guess that is, you know, this but, is how we get Z3 so that we can have another movie of the same plot. And then, <laughs> and then the most offensive part of this entire movie happens. I, I was furious. More okay. offensive than Nebula being Margie's jacket holder. More offensive uh-huh. than the, the general not telling everyone on the space day they're going to die. Protozoa mm-hmm. plays a concert and he has he the audacity audacity not to play zoom 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 oh i thought you were gonna say he had the audacity to change his hair no i did like but i did i did miss the spikes um yeah i was so looking this whole movie is about the aliens (laughs) communicating via zoom 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 and then protozoa gets up and he gets the guitar out and i thought oh baby here we go the payoff is happening and he doesn't even play it. He plays a new song. It's like when Hanson doesn't play Mbop at Eat to the Beat at Epcot. Know your audience, Hanson. Know your audience, Protozoa. I only want the old hits. Yeah, we don't want yeah, Galaxy as ours. We want Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Supernova Girl. They're trying, trying to make a new song be the same as Supernova Girl, and it's never going to happen. You can't make Fetch happen. Make I fetch was lightning happens. in a bottle, baby. Give me Supernova Girl or give me nothing. Yeah. So we have a we have the concert that sort of wraps some minor, I guess, character development for Protozoa. He's like, I'm not the center of the universe. Like, no shit, Sherlock. And they they all come together and we get a really quickly shoehorned in romance with Orion and Xenon. What's funny is I had literally written down because Xenon, Margie, and Neb are all dancing and they're having a good time and like Margie says like I was gonna go home with dad but I asked him to stay are you mad and Xenon says like if we can survive that the galaxy's big enough for the two of us and I was like what a nice message of female friendship and like we had our rough points with all the characters but ultimately their friendships are stronger and there is room enough for everyone because there's so many tropes out there that like women fight each other to get to the top and like but really it can be this beautiful camaraderie and i was just so glad it's not about romantic relationships god damn it they're putting a romance in the last three minutes of this movie less less 35 seconds they literally shoehorn that shit in i was like no it's crazy you know what the best part about this dance is and if you if neither of you saw i i, I called it out as was happening because molly didn't notice it so max i will encourage you to rewatch the last maybe 25 seconds of this film uh-huh. i am convinced i don't want to but okay. that no music is playing oh, as sure. they're doing the scene yeah. because if you watch everybody attempts to clap they are all clapping to entirely different beats and rhythms yeah. and it is the funniest thing in the world to me that you watch margie go for a clap and not clap her hands but look over at Xenon and Neb to make sure that she's about to hit the right beat. So she nice. goes, delay, 
<laughs> she hits it, and then as they zoom out in the concert, you've got this one kid just going ham. It's like yeah. certainly off beat as everybody else is doing the. They're doing on the twos and the fours, and this kid's doing on one sevens and eights. Like he's, he's on, just he's on, he's on the ones and threes. Um, <laughs> the thing I thought of. We, you know, we also shoehorn in a wedding in this moment. Judy yep. uh, marries <laughs> Commander Plank. Um, the thing that I was taking away from on our freeze frame at the end here is the girls. We get the three girls across uh, and I, they all had on different dresses. I don't know if this show is going to connect with you all. And it's a weird beat for me to end on. But this is literally the last th- thought I had was that. Uh, Margie was in uh, red, Xenon was in green, and Nebula was in blue. And it was giving me strong Powerpuff Girls energy. I was uh, oh. I was feeling this Powerpuff Girls moment. They were all in like kind of a pastel red, green, blue, and I was like, oh, it's the pow- the day is saved thanks to the Powerpuff Girls in this in this moment. Blossom I, bubbles I, I and buttercup. I did notice they were in those colors, but that's a good likeness. I will take your word for it. And that did you all? I'm sorry. Did you all watch Powerpuff Girls? Yeah. Uh, occasionally, I was more. Okay. I wasn't a huge Cartoon Network kid. I understand. It just prompted me to ask the classic question. I know we're trying to wrap this episode up. If we were the Powerpuff Girls, which Powerpuff Girl would each of us be? Uh, I don't think I know enough to have an opinion. It's Blossom, mm. Bubbles, and Buttercup. I know their names. I Buttercup know which, is I, Scary Spice. I think like, either you or I, Molly, are Buttercup. Is they Buttercup are Buttercup Chaos. She is um, uh, the more like stubborn, um, kind of hard nosed, like uh, sometimes chaos, but like sort of like strong opinions, you know, like mm-hmm. that, that that's who she is. Uh, Blossom is the commander and the leader that feels okay. like Alan. Okay. And then um, there's Bubbles, but she's like sweet and sort mm-hmm. of like innocent and uh, and like I, you know, I, I think we're probably two buttercups and a blossom. Yeah. Versus uh, uh, versus a really bubbles. Yeah. 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 Which color is uh is buttercup? Green. Buttercup's green. Yeah. Mm, I bubbles like the color is green. Bubbles is is blue, the blonde, and then uh, Alan, you know, perfect is red. So there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably well, two buttercups and a blossom. I think. Our new album cover. Two buttercups and a blossom. It's a great new band. band. Two, 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 two buttercups, buttercups and a blossom. New band name called it. And with a new band that we're about to found, that is the end of Xenon the Sequel. Uh, honestly, it's like watching the same plot over again. Same beats. Same, same everything. But worse because <laughs> it's the second time we've yeah. watched it. So with that, let's talk about our ratings. Molly, you led last week. I think I led the week before that. Max, what, what is your rating? I thought about it a lot. I'm just giving it a five. I don't, I don't know where else to go because... I think that this story is an absolute mess. Uh, I think that there's 17 different point, like plots that all need to be really cut down and edited. It needs to be streamlined so much more. But coming back to this world does feel like a warm hug. And I can't deny it. Like I, I have, I, I, I feel better for being in this world than I would if this, if this same story was told with characters I didn't know, I would be tanking this movie's rating. But because it is set in the Xenon IP with uh, a lead that I'm really fond of and some like familiar character and setting, I, it goes up to me. I'm giving it straight in the middle five. Interesting. Malls? I was going to give it the exact same thing. I wrote down the same thing after watching the movie. I agree. I think Xenon is a really likable lead. I think she's a really strong female lead. Probably outside of Color of Friendship, the strongest female protagonist we've seen in any of these movies. So I'm a big fan of hers. But I agree with everything else you said. There's too many plots. 
and I ultimately think the biggest flaw of this movie is the fact that the general is painted to be a villain and he's just trying to make sure everyone doesn't die a horrible painful death so they they could have shifted his motivations I think yeah this is wild I literally wrote down a five as well wow (laughs) so for the first time in Zetas Lapidus history Zetas Lapidus the sequel we are rating it a five I'm gonna echo the same beats it was just good to be back in a familiar IP it was good to not be in a story that was like utterly trash and just only sort of kind of but with people that actually care about as characters so it was nice you know it's funny last week i think was the biggest deviation we've had uh in points between like the lowest and the highest i i really tanked ultimate christmas present you all lived in the like i think there was like a four-ish uh i was, was a two so i think i, was, I put in the four around a four yeah i think molly was in the fours i was in a, a sub one so we've gone from i think the biggest deviation in score we've had on a decom to being literally exactly the same sort of interesting yeah i think the nostalgia factor plays a role there because oh, oh, we all know we I all know agree. The, if this was new that. characters yeah. i would have tanked this movie but yeah this i movie gotta give it up very low rated gotta give it up for my girl kirsten storms Mm-hmm. Yeah, she crushed. Well, I do have to read a IMDb review. So actually, let me let me call this up before I get into the IMDb reviews. This is a wild uh, scale. We've got everything from like tens to ones, and there's a lot of ratings. Uh, most of the tens are not interesting reads because they are just plot synopses. What I have found is a one out of ten. Tell me, I can't wait. The title of this is Total Cheese. I don't know what the hell is wrong with you people. <laughs> This movie sucked. What an opening line. Coming Holy on. shit balls. <laughs> this who movie is you, sucked. Who, who is you people in this sentence? Do you think this is aimed at other reviewers? I think it's got to so. be aimed at the other reviewers. It's got to right? be. You're oh, saying there's a man. bunch of tens? <laughs> it's got to be. It's got to be. This movie sucked. They said that Xenon would save the world. Did she? No. She just saved some aliens that were trapped. That's true. Sure, the aliens saved the space station, but that's not saving the world! There's absolutely no villain. Maggie's father isn't the villain. This movie is a major letdown from the first movie. Xenon's new parent actors don't help. Stop making such crappy movies, Disney! I am yelling because it is in all caps and followed by like 18 exclamation points. Sure, of course. So I hope that me going away from the microphone to yell might have no, made it a good. bit easier on our headphone no, users. No, it's good, yeah. Um, I love That's the end video. of it? That's the end of it. Dude, that's fucking crazy. Stop <laughs> making crappy movies, Disney. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, but... What the hell is wrong with you people? Dude, I, that's a wild first line. I gotta say... I don't disagree with this commenter at all in a lot of their points. Yeah. And yet, I bet they suck at a party. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, because it's not that they had the opinion. It's that they felt the need to go on the internet and share it. That's the the reason, right? It's you can have whatever opinion you want. It's the moment you choose to go on the internet and and shout from the rooftops that you become not fun. I understand the irony of the fact that we just spent an hour and a half doing the same thing sure. on a podcast but like something about the way they wrote it made me think that at a party they're like such literalists that i'd be like all right yeah. that's enough out of you <laughs> right oh, oh man there, there's also a one out of ten that's like titled disappointment major that rants about how margie's the only good part of the film whoa <laughs> i was like wow. a hot take wow well, yeah. my move. gosh We've had some winners the last couple there of reviews. Yeah, the reviews, reviews have been really good. And uh, some good reviews. I've been lately. enjoying reading these. They've been a lot of fun. Uh, all right. 
What's next for us? I think it's motocross. I think it's motocross, and I am so excited and so scared all at the same time. Yeah, we're worried that it's not going to hold up. I'm I'm worried it's going to be another brink where I am really excited and remember this one fondly, but it it disappoints me. I didn't watch this one, so I'm going in blind. Mm. Um, This will be an interesting measure of nostalgia versus no nostalgia. I know Alan often is in that seat. I'm in that seat now. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. Hold on. Don't spoil. Don't this spoil. Is, this is not a spoil. This is... So I, I, I just went to the list of decoms in chronological order that we utilize from time to time. Mm-hmm. And I like moused over a... Um, something that's just... A, it's a review site. And there's like a section of the review site that's highlighted. It's called What Parents Need to Know. Now, we're not oh, parents. Yeah, I've seen this website. Yeah, you've seen this? Yeah. It's... Um, this person says, the movie is loosely inspired by the story of William Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. Uh, so, yeah. Interesting. We're gonna Once get you a nice watch argument. it, you'll, you'll know the trope. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got motocross coming up next week. I'm excited to return to that. I, again, hope it holds up. God, please hold up. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Zia Slobitis. If you enjoyed it, please give us a rating, leave a review, hit that like, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. Follow us on all of our socials, at Mammoth Club or at Mammoth underscore Club. And we'll see you next week for motocross. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Make your heart go home. Boom, boom. My supernova girl.